0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Part 3 of Episode N, Nazis in New York. Oh my gosh, are you ready to hear how it all ends?
1: I I, I already know how it ends, but I'm, I'm still you excited. You already know how it ends, yes. So we're calling this Part 3. Technically, it's Part 2 of Operation Pistorius, and if you're going in order, our first episode was on the Duquesne spy ring, so... Correct. This is kind of our Mega N episode. Kind of, mm-hmm. because we have both
0: had busy lives and thought we'd do <laughs> like a ton of podcasts at once. Stuff happens. We would podcast every day if we could. I'm not kidding, guys. Yeah, maybe we should start advertising. But we don't. You know why, guys? we love you. And I hate listening to those commercials. <laughs> and I hate those ads. You gotta skip them. Anyway, well, guys. Oh, I'm Kathleen. Oh, and I'm Kate. And we're ABC Gotham. Where we left off last time, the the V-men of Operation Pastorius had finally gotten off of the U-boat that carried them across the Atlantic to start their sabotage mission during World War II, the Germany against the United States. Just bear with me. I'm going to recap for like two seconds. So in case someone didn't hear the first episode, they just got off of the U-boat. It was the only way to get across the Atlantic at wartime. They... Had all of their stuff, they were on the beach, they were soaking, but they had succeeded. However, coming towards them, on the moonless night, through the thick fog, they could see a figure carrying a flashlight as the beam of his flashlight bobbed ahead of him. Uh Uh-oh, they're in trouble. They landed very near a Coast Guard station. Dun-dun-dun! You think that's bad? Things are even worse on the U-boat, Kate! I know, that U-boat as the tide goes out,
1: they're stuck. They're just stuck on that sandbar. There's no way there's no at this point you're like, there's no way they're gonna get off. This is the point in the movie where like all the suspenseful stuff
0: happens at once. The U-boat's stuck. They're caught by the Coast Guard. They've barely gotten to the United States. They've barely touched the ground of the United States. And it seems as though a Coast Guard officer is coming near them and the U-boat is stuck on a sandbar and the tide is going out so scary tune in right now for the exciting conclusion exciting conclusion we've barely started all right first things first the flashlight was attached to a 20 year old coast guard patrolman named john cullen so john cullen had joined the coast guard in the fall of 1941 right after pearl harbor a lot of guys joined up right then He had sort of an unimpressive job. They called it, uh, quote, sand-pounding. He was walking the shore of Long Island. (laughs) He was looking for drowning swimmers, ships in distress, and, seriously, he was looking for German submarines. Um, He also enforced blackout regulations, so back then, uh, no one could be on the beach except for uniformed Coast Guard patrols, and every house that was facing the shore had to have its windows blacked out as part of the blackout regulations. So it was his job. He walked up and down the beach. He covered a six-mile stretch of the shoreline. Walking that stretch took two hours, and that walk he did uh, several times per shift. Well, wow, that's a nice workout. Ah, uh, yeah. I bet it gets so boring. Like yeah. so boring. In other words, the odds of him stumbling across a party of saboteurs—let's say the saboteurs spent twenty minutes on the beach. It was like one in six, so not great odds, but, you know, he was patrolling the beach. It it was possible, and boom, there he was. He had a flashlight, but he didn't have a gun. He didn't have a radio. He didn't have any way to communicate with the rest of the Coast Guards back at the station. And, as you may remember, the gentlemen on the sabotage team had been instructed to kill anyone that they met on the shore. Now, they did not kill him. We've we've heard from John Cullen since then. In fact, there are very good records of the conversation that happened next, as it turned out to be very, very important, farther down the line. And Kate and I will recreate that conversation right now. Oh, yeah. Do you want to be Cullen or Dash? Um, I'll be Cullen. You be Dash. Okay. I'm Dash. I'm the German guy. I am not going to give you a wacky German accent. For two reasons. One, the German language is beautiful and not a joke. And two, Dash had pretty good English, so it wouldn't be accurate. Yeah, I also begged
1: Kathleen that we wouldn't have to do
0: like a theatrical reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Kate wants to do a Bronx accent for John Cullen, that is totally up to you. That's a character choice that you can make. Okay, so this is something about how their interaction would have gone.
1: I doubt Cullen had some kind of pen and paper he wrote it down, but this is about what would have
0: happened. No, for reals. It comes in... I won't ruin the ending for you, Yeah, but the actual wording of a couple of these lines does become very critical later Later. in the story. So they do know some of these pretty accurately, but you're right. There was no pencil and paper or audio recording at the time. Yes. Best we can decide. Go, Cullen. Okay. Who are you? Coast Guard? Uh, Yeah. Who are you? Fisherman from East Hampton. We were trying to get to Montauk Point, but our boat ran aground. We're waiting for sunrise. Uh, what do you mean East Hampton and Montauk Point? And At this point, I'll jump in. Cullen was surprised because that would have meant they ran aground very, very close to their original launch point. That, like they would have barely gotten moving. So in theory, if this was the situation, they should have been farther out to sea. Do you know where you are? I don't believe I know where we landed. You should know. You're in Amagansett. That's my station right over there. So then this is... What a guy, huh? Oh, nice. I also offer them shelter for the night. Mm Mm-hmm. And Dash originally accepted, but then changed his mind. His reason was, oh, I, I don't have a fishing license. I don't have an ID card. Right.
1: So that's when Cullen would have noticed that there are two men behind this stranger, which is when the stranger abruptly changes the subject.
0: Now, now listen. How old are you, son? Twenty-one. You have a mother? Yeah. A father? Yeah. Look, I wouldn't want to kill you. You don't know what this is about. And this is when my character, Dash, reaches in his pocket and pulls out a wad of bills. Forget about this, and I will give you some money, and you can have a good time. I don't want your money. So this... when a fourth man appears. He's dragging a huge sack. He speaks to Dash in a foreign language. Cullen later reports it sounded German. Cullen was basing that on movies he'd seen with German bad guys. It's like, well, it sounded like the bad guys in the movies. This enraged Dash "Ah, What are you doing? He turns back to Cullen and says, This is $300. Forget you saw us. And forced him to take the cash. Cullen's outnumbered. His life had been threatened he ran which really smart
1: yeah and you came out 300 dollars richer like that's a lot a lot a lot of money at the time <laughs> if somebody gave me 300 dollars on the street right now and told me to
0: forget them i would be fine with that and that would be probably close to 2800 dollars in today's money wow it's not the point kate also colin what a guy Handed it right over. Dang. I would have been like, these guys threatened my life and then ran off
1: and absolutely did not put money in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have buried it in the sand. Which seems to be the thing to do.
0: To be honest. To be honest, Dash handed it to him and said, This is three hundred dollars, forget you saw us. Cullen handed over the money to his peer, and in fact it was a good thing he had all that money. Otherwise his boss wouldn't have believed him. He thought he was joking around. Later they counted it. It was like 290 or 280 like it 260 either Dash didn't quite give him 300 or somebody somewhere along the line helped themselves a little bit.
1: I think Colin pocketed 40. I mean I I got no blame like <laughs> it's a lot of
0: money Colin is the hero of this story and I refuse to impugn him no he's still a hero I'm just saying like all right well, Colin ran back to the Coast Guard station boom ASap there he woke his fellow guardsmen they're all asleep this is about midnight he's yelling there's germans on the beach let's go let's go the entire company woke grabbed rifles okay well they didn't know how to shoot the rifles so they had to take a few minutes and learn how to load the rifles okay guys this is how you shoot the rifle and they were actually stalled for a while because they didn't think they would ever need the rifles they trained a little bit in shooting practiced a little bit and ran out to the beach at this point it's 1 a.m they can't find anyone of course not What they do know, they can smell burning diesel fuel. They can kind of barely make out the shape of a... Is that a ship out there in the water? Is that a German U-boat off the shore? Is that a stranded Unterwasser boat? And it was turning on its engines on and off, and they were quite confused. So I will walk away from the crowd on the beach to tell you a little bit about nature box i'm kidding we are going to revisit the crew of the u-boat the stuck u-boat these poor guys the captain he's keeping it cool you know everyone around him is freaking out and he's doing his job cool and collected and he is trying his options he dumped his diesel fuel he blew the water tanks so that it would be a little bit lighter he had the crew move the torpedoes which are usually stored in the front of the boat move them back trying to make the front of the boat lighter, trying to tip it up a little bit. All right. He ran his diesel engines, his electric engines, ran them full power. There's still a little bit of the boat in the water. He's not entirely beached up there, but he's stuck. He ran his propellers. There's a way to run the propellers in, like, opposite directions while you push the rudder. He had a couple of maneuvers up his sleeve, but nothing worked. And low tide... 2 14 a.m. so low tide is coming up on them and they're in bad shape if they're really stranded so he took the next step he he went with the doomsday scenario and prepared to scuttle the boat so that means it would destroy everything it would especially destroy the enigma code books those are top secret you definitely don't want the Americans getting their hands on those So the crew set explosives around the boat. The crew is freaking out. And the captain probably is, but just internally. Freaking out because they will be spending the rest of the war in a POW camp. And the captain prepared his crew for surrender. Back to the beach. So, alright. We know that the Coast Guardsmen are searching the beach. And saboteurs have gotten the heck out of there. Berger told Quirin and Hank about Dash's conversation with the Coast Guard patrolman. Quirin and Hank were like what the hell? Dash had the order to kill the guy. That was the plan. Why didn't you do it? What's going on? So they, as you remember, are soaking wet, it's freezing, it's in the middle of the night, and they're trying to quickly change out of that military uniforms. They're changing into their soaking and freezing wet civilian uh, clothing. They had to drag all the stuff that they had brought out of the U-boat. So that's caches of explosives and their old clothes. They had to dig the, dig uh, holes in the dunes, bury everything along with the old clothes. Quickly. And I just imagine them scrambling around like keystone cops, like bumping into each other. And Aww. it's dark. Well, And there's explosives, but nothing's going off, thank God.
1: No, and and you know what? That water in the height of summer is not warm, so Mm -hmm. I just can't, I'm just sitting here imagining
0: how cold that water is. This was a miserable, miserable experience, but honestly, probably the best possible when they could. This is June. Right. I mean, it's not great, but it's better than if they landed in November. True, true.
1: At least the air is a
0: little warmer. It's true. Or it'll warm up within a few hours. Right. Dash apparently had accidentally left his clothes and a notebook by the original landing spot. Dash always is losing those papers.
1: He he just doesn't. He's just, he's just checked out. He's like, I'm, I don't want to be here. It's
0: almost as if he doesn't want to be a successful Nazi hmm, spawn. So weird. Yeah. Uh Berger and Quirin also had lost papers, items of clothing the whole time that they're scrambling around they're kind i mean it's dark they think they might be surrounded uh well yeah in fact is unhelpfully repeating they're they're surrounded us we're surrounded they've got us guys really not cool bad for morale they think they're surrounded uh they could hear the roar of the diesel engines out on the water something is very wrong with the u-boat that is not their problem but that ain't good
1: no, but I feel like if I were on the beach and I heard the diesel engines running, I'd be like, thank God, at least if the Coast Guard comes back, I I would imagine, which is and what ends up It'll happening. It'll draw the attention. They, it, gets, it draws the Coast Guard's attention, and they go towards the sound.
0: Kate, I like the way you think. I know. I'm good at this. I should be a spy. You're an optimist. I like that. None of this is good news. <laughs> no. Well, it is for us, because these guys are Nazis. Regardless. They can hear the roar of the engines. They had to focus. They had to focus on the next phase of the operation, which is moving inland, finding railroad tracks, and getting themselves to the nearest Long Island Railroad Station. I'm, You know, it's weird. I, I halfway feel bad for them. I know they're the bad guys.
1: Well, they're so incompetent that you can't help but mildly feel bad for them. And they're only incompetent because they don't want to be here. Like, don't forget that from last time. None of these guys
0: want to be here. At the very least, we can say they're somewhat conflicted about being here. Yeah.
1: One guy we didn't really go into when we talked about Mm -hmm. people who don't want to be here is Hans Haupt. He's on the Florida team. This is just to kind of tie them in. By the way, I think we mentioned this last time. They had a perfectly fine landing in Florida. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The, not like this craziness that's going on here on Long Island. hmm But... This guy on the other team, I really highly, highly recommend. I will put a link. I know you've already listened to hours worth of podcasts, but if I can recommend you listening to one more podcast, I would say, listen to the This American Life. It's called The Facts mm. Don't Matter from March of 2004. Yes. It's just about Hans Herbert Haupt, who's on the other team, as we said. Mm-hmm. It will You'll really get an idea of, like,
0: they picked the wrong guys. Like... And also, what a sad story it was, because these guys weren't—they didn't exactly have too many other options. And in some cases, it was made very clear that you do this, or there's going to be big problems for your family.
1: Yeah, basically, they were all blackmailed into. I mean, it's—if mm-hmm. you listen to the um, the first Nazis in New York episode,
0: this isn't a bunch of willing participants. No, yeah. they,
1: nobody wants to, and it's all like generally either they've lived in America or they're American citizens. And they Mm -hmm. really just, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Another guy, he's also part of the Florida team, Eddie Curling, Mm -hmm. not only Mm. had a wife in the United States, but he also had a mistress in the U.S., so,
0: oh Eddie Curling, yeah, he like collected the ladies. He
1: did. So when he ends up comes mm-hmm. to New York, when he gets back to New York, eventually he sets up m- meetings with his mistress. The night ne- the next day, mm-hmm. when he's arrested, he's supposed to meet his wife. I like he's got a, his priorities straight there, mistress and then wife.
0: Right, right. Oh, I'm I'm sure he knew what he was. Right,
1: thinking. and he is the most fanatic of all of them. Like he's the most like, you know, all. He about was as good as it gets. Yeah, he's as good as he gets. Not very and he's good. Not in for it. So. Mm-hmm. When we keep talking about these guys like bungling around, it's probably because they just they're not they're not in it. They're they're not in it. They
0: they were not driven to help the fatherland. No we can say that much. As you will soon learn. Yes. So the saboteurs are looking for the Long Island Railroad. Cullen and his fellow Coast Guard patrollers, they didn't find them. The the, the V men managed to get the heck out of there. But they did find quite a few other things. So, way back to the spot where Cullen first encountered Dash, Cullen found a pack of German cigarettes. Hmm. Hmm. There were very obvious tracks in the sand, as if something had been dragged And then to the top of the dunes, and Cullen went up there with two other guards. They found evidence of buried items. They found, like, recently turned over piles of sand. They did a little bit of digging, found four big wooden crates. There was another trench nearby that had a sea bag and had shovels. And then just scattered around, they found bathing trunks, a belt, and a shirt. So Cullen's boss, his superior, sent a man to the station to bring up a truck so they could do something with these crates. And other guardsmen radioed reports up to the Coast Guard top brass, also to a Naval Intelligence Unit and something called the Eastern Seaboard Frontier to let them know that we had a situation here in Amagonset. It might have been Germans. Maybe we could use a little bit of help.
1: I just imagine, like, when you see those movies where they've hastily buried something and there's a big pile of dirt on top of.
0: Right, That's, right. That's, like, totally what I imagine... The sand looking And you'd think maybe sand dunes, it might not be that obvious. Eh, No, no. we can tell. You just buried something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. If you do this in the middle of the night and no one catches you, maybe it won't be so obvious. Maybe no one's going to be looking there. But anyway. Back to the U-boat. So at this point, it's 3 a.m. Things are very grim on the U-boat. The captain prepared the final radio message, its last coded message. He wrote in his log, There is very little hope left. The U two hundred two is ready for demolition. And they just sat there. So they didn't demolish the boat quite yet. You know, the tide went out at two hundred fourteen. They're gonna wait for the tide to come back in. two hundred fourteen, it's still the middle of the night, still dark. There's still some fog, it was still a new moon. The whole reason they picked that night, so that the saboteurs wouldn't be detected was working to their advantage so they're gonna wait and have the tide return see what happens and that's when things turned around for the u-boat captain and his crew the tide did come in lifted the boat a little bit off the sand now sunrise is in another hour they're cutting it close didn't have a lot of time but the captain announced to his crew through the loudspeakers we will make one last try to free the boat if it fails We will go together in captivity. And remember, silence is golden. Right. He ordered all the men in the front, again, to try to free the bow. The torpedoes had already been moved back. He blew the water tanks again. He turned the engines full blast. The boat tilted a little. It rocked a little. And as the tide's coming in, the crashing waves are hitting it. Every time it got hit by a wave, it rocked a little bit more captain tried the engines four times and the boat was free at 3 10 a.m they were unstuck i am happy about this even though they're the bad guys i don't
1: know i'm a little disappointed in the coast guard like you can't you know where that u-boat is it's sitting right there (laughs) get
0: somebody there it was foggy and dark give the coast guard some credit come on i don't know i think and they were looking for guys not a boat
1: yeah, but they hear the engine, like, trying to start up. I just imagine it them it's sitting there for, like, hours and hours. <laughs> true, it did. <laughs> like,
0: oh, well, we'll get to it. It's stuck. Oh, shit. We missed it. There it goes. Yeah. They got unstuck. The crew rejoiced. They hugged each other. They were so relieved. They dismantled all the explosives that they had set up around the boat and got the heck out of there. They moved east. They're going back to Germany. I don't know. I'm happy. I shouldn't be, but I'm like, yeah, you got off that sandbar. Yeah, you shouldn't be happy about
1: that. They're Nazis, haven't you? The
0: U.S. did capture one of the U-boats. It's at the Museum of Science and Industry. Everyone should see it. It is amazing.
1: Well, back to our intrepid saboteurs who
0: are headed our way. Anyway, back to them. So the saboteurs, as you are aware, had a pretty rough night. So they followed along. Dash was their leader, as you know, and part of the reason he was the leader is he was a waiter. He had worked in those villages where they landed. He was trying to remember where the closest village was. Now, when he'd worked there, it was a few years prior. So they're moving in inland away from the beach. He's struggling to remember. Is it to our left? Is it to our right? I don't know. Finally, they find railroad tracks. He looks at the tracks. He figures out, we need to go to the left. And within a mile, they arrived at the Amagansett Railroad Station of the Long Island Railroad. It is 5 a.m., they are cold. They are wet. They're exhausted. They're all mad at each other. They're all suspicious. They're all pissed. And the ticket booth is closed.
1: Oh, no. So
0: they they hang out. They're in, they're, they're in a bit of a rush. They would like to be moving, but they can't. They try and kind of clean themselves up as best they could. station opens at 6 a.m., and they buy train tickets to New York City. First train is an express and it comes at 6:59 a.m. This
1: is another time where I'm like the Coast Guard dropped the ball. You don't know that totally. some guys that disappeared like I feel like the first thing I would do would be alert the train like have somebody at the train station to make sure these mm-hmm. obviously German spies who landed on a U in a
0: U-boat don't mm-hmm. take a
1: train to the city. Like that's the first Anyway
0: That's the thing. The reports went up to Coast Guard Brass. They talked to a couple of different intelligence agencies. There was a very laissez-faire response to this report of Germans on the beach. Uh, Well, despite everything, Operation Pistorius still seemed to be reasonably on track. They boarded the train. Huge relief for the saboteurs. And they sped away from the site. Of that ridiculous bungled landing. So, you arrive in New York City. What's the first thing you're going to do? What do you do? What's the first thing you do? What would you do, Kate? You you just got off a U-boat. Uh, I, Two weeks in a U-boat. I'd go to an automat.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Uh, I'd probably check into a hotel and take a hot shower.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Who knows?
1: Maybe catch a Broadway show. See my mistress.
0: Well none of those are the first thing they do oh wait the very first thing they do is they buy wardrobes that's very smart that's much smarter than what i said i think food would come first but that's the thing i wonder if maybe they were just so terrified because as it turns out the clothes they were wearing and this they, they discuss this a little bit in the book they tried on these clothes this way back in germany stuff was a little bit out of style a little bit ill-fitting some of it was not like in great shape but that didn't matter because all they really needed were civilian clothes for when they landed for what they changed into when they landed one of the men it occurred to him that these were clothes that had been taken from jews that had been brought to concentration camps yeah so they had these clothes that they were not really comfortable wearing in fact Berger had a huge rip in his pants that he got caught on a nail when they were waiting in a train station like they you know of all their problems the first thing they did is they bought some inexpensive just one inexpensive outfit each and they changed and they felt much better they felt more normal and then yes they got nice hotel rooms and for days they go around eating and drinking delicious things that you cannot get in germany right because if you
1: think at the time in germany there are rations
0: mhm
1: you know germany's in a
0: war we're not in a war at the time you know exactly exactly and there wasn't any fresh food on the U-boat. I mean, they, they gorged on salad, for God's sakes. And they got themselves some swanky wardrobes, thanks to all of that cash that the Fuhrer so kindly gave Which them. Which
1: they're supposed to be
0: using. This is, I imagine this part is like the musical montage part of the movie. Yeah. The shopping spree part, you know? Yeah. They, uh, they got suits and ties, shirts and cufflinks. Oh, cufflinks, too. Hats. Wallets, watches, handkerchiefs, underwear, socks, shoes. They got really nice hotel rooms. They bought bathrobes, cigars, keychains, toiletries. They got themselves haircuts, shaves. They got shoe shines. And yes, Kate, you're right. They all go to the Automat. So that was a restaurant called Horn and Hardett's. At the time, it was in the basement of Macy's. What's the deal with the automat cake? They're like the McDonald's of the time. Like, they're kind of the beginning of fast food. So you go in.
1: There actually used to be one of these in the East Village, like, was it like five or six years ago?
0: Yeah, it was like a a, a retro kind of automat. Yeah.
1: So you go in. There's all these little doors. And so you... There, there's a different food item behind each door. It's like a little glass mm-hmm. door. So you put your quarter, or dime or nickel, like whatever it costs, in the slot and then you pull out a sandwich or you pull out a cup of soup or you pull out like whatever. It's, it's probably not a cup of soup, but Something that's easy and... No,
0: they had had hot meals and bowls of soup. Yeah, Yeah. everything in there. So
1: you just pull out, you know, you look on the wall, all the stuff's prepared. You don't have to order it. You just kind of throw your money in and take it. And it was revolutionary. Like, Mm -hmm. you didn't have to order it. It's just there. And you just grab it and you're ready to go.
0: It was huge. People loved it. I don't know why we don't have that anymore.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because the one in the East Village didn't do very well either. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they're closed now, and I miss it. And, I mean, I'm sure there's some Board of Health regulations. I don't know, but...
1: Right. So, behind that wall, there's a whole functioning kitchen. So, there's people cooking back Mm -hmm. there who just pay attention to, you know, what just got bought. What do I need to put in there? You know, and they're constantly stocking. So, it's not like you can custom order anything. You just kind of see what's there. Oh, yeah. You don't even
0: see the people except the lady who breaks your Uh dollar for you. Yeah. So, yes. So, they went to the Automat. They had gone weeks without fresh food they ate all the salad they could get a hold of all four of them agreed boy it's great to be back in the u.s too bad we're trying to bring it down yeah as much as we disagree with the policies of the u.s there is some stuff here that you cannot get in germany and boy did we miss that. right and then they went shopping some more they bought so much stuff they had to buy suitcases To get it all back to their hotel rooms.
1: And this is supposed to be money that they're using. This isn't just money for Mm -hmm. them to spend. It's money for them to use in their sabotage plot. To pay people. To buy more materials. To bomb more things. To get around. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: to get from place to place. (sighs) It's true. It's true. Now, their orders for this time were to just lay low for a few days. They were supposed to go on to Chicago. They are actually supposed to go to Chicago pretty much right away. And then the plan was after the Florida crew landed, they would all meet up in Cincinnati and they would coordinate actions. Now the problem is that it's very tempting to do things differently. The temptation is not just shopping, but a lot of them had lived in New York before. They wanted to visit friends or family in New York or other places around the U.S. But of course, no good saboteur would dare Compromise the mission in such a way, Kate. No way, unless you're part of this crew. Yeah, as we've already said, they weren't good saboteurs. They were really bad saboteurs. Right, and this is when we start seeing how bad of a saboteur they are. Mm hmm. That's it. Spectacularly bad, in fact. What's the big conversation that happens, Kate? So, around this time, we have our leader, Dash, who
1: mm-hmm. and Berger individually had already decided to defect to the United States. Mm-hmm. They knew when they came back, there was no way they were going back
0: to Germany Mm-mm.
1: Did we mention before about how Berger had been in concentration camp?
0: Yeah, yeah, we a little bit we went into uh various reasons why you might suspect my burger and why Dash might not be the most loyal Germans out there. You and I can see that. Kappa, who recruited them in the first place, didn't really see it. No, and
1: I, I don't know how he missed it, but, mm. see, so we have our two people who are kind of, I mean, Dash is in charge, Berger's a big player, and... Mm-hmm. N- they both not, are like the biggest, like both of them have individually planned to defect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dash comes to Burger and kind of threatens him at first. Like, I'm going to defect and you can't stop me. Mm-hmm. And Burger's like, whoa, I'm
0: defecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're cool, bro. It's fine. I'm defecting. Chill. I imagine, again, if this were the movie, this isn't what really happened. But if it was, they would meet privately and then in unison they would say, I'm here to defect from the Fuhrer. You with me? Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. yeah, probably something like that. So The thing is, this happened the day after they landed. They didn't even hang around and think about it. They they got right onto that defecting. No. But Dash did pick the best man to talk to
1: about this oh definitely he tells that he dash tells Berger that he wants to contact the fbi he's got to figure out a way Mm -hmm. to stop all of this before anything ever actually happens i don't think i want to say i don't think they would have been successful either way but regardless this is a very serious threat so Mm -hmm, he's mm -hmm. once again in touch with the fbi so dash
0: and this wasn't just a little you know a, a momentary whim and this is interesting First of all, Dash, I know you you admire certain things about Dash. I'm not super impressed. He was not loyal to Germany. Obviously, no. he was not loyal to the U.S. His loyalty was to himself. He had kind of been a failure at everything he attempted. And that's the case in U.S. and in Germany. So captain makes him this offer to be a hero. He, he grabs at it. But he decided he'd rather be a hero to the U.S., So Dash told Berger he had planned to sabotage the mission all along. Berger replied, he never planned to carry it out either. And in fact, Berger said he deliberately scattered incriminating items along the beach when they landed. That pack of cigarettes. You don't say. And his thought was that would lead the American authorities to the buried cache of explosives. Berger's intent not only was that he wouldn't do anything, but he would make it impossible for any of the saboteurs to succeed in the mission. And later on, it, it became, it was revealed that all, of all the evidence they found on the beach, it was this list of things Berger had said he had scattered before he even knew what they found. So he actually went into this planning to undercut the plan to sabotage the US,
1: which is great. See, yeah, that's why I like Burger better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like Burger better. He's my favorite failed saboteur. So then this gives them two things to they have to worry about now. They have to stall Queer and, and Hank. Right? Why aren't we going to Chicago? Why aren't we going to Chicago? Why didn't you kill that guy? Why aren't we going to Chicago? And Dash has to get in touch with the FBI. How would that work out for him, Kate? Not so great.
1: So Dash goes to Berger and says, "Hey, keep an eye on these guys." Basically, right? You know, they're already having such a great time in New York. It's probably not hard to keep them busy.
0: That's it. They kind of uh, oscillate between suspicious and nervous and also like drinking and hanging out with girls. Yeah. I mean, they, there's plenty of things to distract them with. Right.
1: So Dash goes to a payphone and calls the New York FBI and explains everything. He's like, hey, can you pass this message to Hoover? That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. The agent who picks up the phone, of course, thinks that Dash is a crockpot. Like, he's like, he's nuts. Now, I, I think they would take you seriously. They'd at least probably look... They'd investigate. They would certainly
0: investigate it more than they did. This
1: guy just hangs up. Yeah. He's like, whatever.
0: Right. Oh, well, he, he wrote it down because Dash gave his name as Franz Joseph Pastorius, And I'm here to sabotage the U.S., but I don't want to. And he took all these notes and then he filed it away and it never got anywhere. No, it doesn't... Nothing happens.
1: <laughs> so he
0: comes back to Burger.
1: Basically, he knows he has to go to D.C. He he yeah. needs to go, actually, to FBI headquarters. I actually don't know why he doesn't go to, like, the there is an FBI office in New York. I'm not sure why. It, it works out that he goes to
0: D.C. He was told that the Gestapo was watching the FBI offices in New York. Oh, I... That's why he went out to a pay phone. He didn't want to call from his hotel room also. Right. Not that there'd be any big mystery... As to who might have (laughs) ended everything. At any rate, yeah, yeah, Kate's right. There is a New York office of the FBI, but that was, he did not see that as an option. No. So, four days later, Dash heads down to D.C. You know what he did for those four days? Party. He played cards.
1: Yeah. I hope he won some money. He played
0: cards with old friends. They were all astonished to see him, but his nerves were He was really edgy. He was terrified about what he was about to do, understandably so. Uh, Later on, they asked him why he waited so long. One of his excuses was this Herbie Haupt kid of the Florida team. Right. His thought was if he went and confessed about the crime, then all of the other saboteurs would go down. He wanted to give them time to land. The Florida landing was a few days after them. And give them time to come forward also so they could save their skins is his story. It's hard to say what the deal is with Dash. I think he just wavers back and forth on
1: what he's going to do. Yeah. Like, am I going to stick to the mission? Am I going to...
0: Which country am I going to be a hero for? Regardless, Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. like... And what will happen after I do this? He uh, he certainly knew what a risk he was running. Right. After
1: burning through more of the Fuhrer's money, he Mm -hmm. goes down to D.C. alone... Mm -hmm. still says burger keep an eye on these guys i'll be back stay checks into the mayflower hotel and then just walks straight into fbi headquarters with a briefcase (laughs) asking to see the director of the fbi Mm -hmm. he gets bounced around and bounced around and bounced around tells his story to everyone everyone's like oh wait you should go talk to this guy instead basically nobody believes them they're just like whatever they pass him to and the And can next you guy. blame
0: them? They they got a million of these a day.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. Finally, he gets dumped on assistant director Ladd, who's actually in charge of the manhunt for some alleged Germans that landed on a beach.
0: Interesting. So
1: strange. Dash at this point is pretty pissed off as you would mm-hmm. be since nobody believes him. And to make everyone believe him. The thing that turns the tide is when he dumps the re- the entire budget, everything, all the money they have left on mm-hmm. Lad's desk. So there's just cash pouring out onto his Everywhere. desk. Everywhere. Yes. Yeah. So the FBI takes him suddenly very seriously. He's interrogated mm-hmm. for- Now it. we're listening. Yeah, for many hours in which he gives up everything.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: None of the other, except for Berger, none of the other agents knew that they were betrayed at the time. Mm -hmm. And over the next two weeks, Berger and the rest of our saboteurs, the other six, are arrested, the Florida and
0: the New York team. That's the thing about Dash is when he goes in, he finally gets someone to listen to him. Here's the quote. He sits down and says, I have a long story to tell, and I want to tell it my way. So... The agent asked him a few questions. Who are you with? How did you get here? He, he refused to answer those, but he just talked and talked and talked. And this is the part I love. So the agent keeps him supplied. He gives him cigarettes, chicken sandwiches, milk, and the occasional scotch and soda. Oh. They even brought in a stenographer. But this is awesome. Soon realized they would need a team of six stenographers. Right, because he just keeps talking. He just keeps talking. And they record his statement the stenographers would trade spots every hour, and then they would run off and type up what they transcribed with multiple carbon copies. These were distributed to the agents that were investigating Amagansett. Summaries were sent to J. Edgar Hoover himself. Now, this statement that took six days grew to 254 single spaced typewritten. Pages.
1: Yeah, he's not also just talking about sabotage. He's talking about
0: everything. He just talks. He just likes to hear himself talk. He really does. He really does. And you know what? The agent was like, This guy is the real deal. If this is what I have to do, listen to him for six straight days, this is what I have to do. He played to Dash's vanity as he needed to, and he did nothing to disturb the impression that Dash was a Free man who was voluntarily cooperating with the FBI.
1: Yeah, I I think Dash really thought if he went in as the hey I'm I'm turning, I'm not a German spy, I, I wanna help. Mm-hmm. He really thought I that I can tell you things. Right. He really thought that he'd get off, that there would be no he'd have no problems. But that's not He at thought all. he'd be a hero. Yeah, that's not no. at all what
0: happens. Nope. But, meanwhile, back in New York, like we said, Berger is trying to distract Hank and Quirin. They are increasingly worried. Why aren't we moving on to Chicago? Where's Dash? Uh, Berger took them to a whorehouse at one point. He was so desperate to just get them to shut up. Uh, It was on the second day of Dash's monologue back in D.C. that he finally admitted he was traveling with three other men And finally admitted one of the saboteurs was named Berger. And they were in the Governor Clinton Hotel, which is across from Penn Station. Berger was in room 1421. And that was the beginning of the end. That was when the FBI agents in New York, they put the entire hotel under observation. They commandeered the room right next to Berger's. Meanwhile, they're trying to keep Dash busy in D.C. They keep taking his statement. But they are tailing Berger in New York. They're assuming he's going to lead him, lead them to the other two agents. He did, and that is when the arrests started. That was on June 20th. They arrested Quirin first, Hank a few minutes later, and then when they were uh, arrested, they were sped to the federal courthouse in Lower Manhattan, where the New York FBI headquarters were. Then they were processed and sent to holding cells on the 30th floor. And at the Governor Clinton Hotel, I love this part, agents burst into the open door of Berger's room. He's fully dressed, read a newspaper, and sees them come in and is so relieved. Aww, I... And he went with them willingly. I'm so sad for Berger. I kind of am. I mean, they all got screwed over in this. Yeah. But they were Nazi spies. Yeah, they, they didn't have a choice. Yeah. So, they took Berger, processed him, sent him to a holding cell. And now, back in D.C., it was finally time to disabuse Dash of his notion that he was going to be a hero. Or that he was even going to meet J. Edgar Hoover. Or, oh, that he was going to get a cushy job writing pro-American propaganda to send to Germany. That was what he really wanted, his dearest wish. Nope, Trainer finally broke the news to him that the feds and many other agencies were aware of their landing at Um Amagansett. They knew about that. Before Dash even showed up, they were already investigating it. And his information helped, but they would have figured it out anyway, eventually. So the question was, what do we do with Dash? If word gets back to Germany that he's a turncoat, he was terrified for his parents' lives. Really bad things would happen to his family. So what they all agreed on was, here's what we'll do. We'll arrest you and treat you like all the other saboteurs. And the agent he was working with even told him they could make it look like Quirin oh. or Hink was the guy who came forward. So that's what they did. Now technically, this FBI agent was correct when he said several agencies already knew about the landing but the Coast Guard reports the Germans landing on Long Island There were even reports of U-boat sightings. They did not lead to an immediate manhunt. For God's sake, these guys got away on a train. The reports went to the Navy and the FBI, but they either filed them or ignored them or just was like, "Hmm, crackpot. And if there weren't for the Coast Guard, there wouldn't have been any immediate response at all. So Cullen's superiors are the ones who found all those crates full of explosives, as we all know. They started house-to-house searches. Coast Guard intelligence agents, yes, that is a thing. They questioned the train station keeper. He's the one who told them, well, I sold tickets to four really kind of grotty looking guys at 6 a.m. Now, they had that information, but it just told them the saboteurs were in New York City or maybe only went through New York City. So that wasn't super helpful. But the Coast Guard are the guys who figured that out. Right. Now, they investigated some other leads. They kind of wasted some time and hit some dead ends. So Dash's information was actually super helpful. But he was an enemy spy, and he would have to be prosecuted accordingly, regardless of whatever amount of help he gave. So now here's the part where Operation Pastorius is really different from the Duquesne spy ring. Now, if you remember, with Duquesne, Jagger Hoover saw William Siebold could be super helpful. He can send bad information to Berlin, right. and that's what he did for sixteen months. Siebold testified against other german agents during their trials and that worked out sorta okay for him the fbi gave him a new life it was the the brand new witness protection program now that was impossible for dash and that's because this was all in the newspapers already or it would be in the newspapers very very soon hoover was certain and as it turns out he made sure it was in the newspapers very soon so Siebold went to the consulate when he was still in germany and uh then he only dealt with the fbi this was not in the papers at all but agencies knew that am was was out there they knew that there was a leak it was gonna happen you can't keep a guy in witness protection if the whole case is all over the newspapers and also hoover didn't really want the story that was going to get out to be how easy it is to break through the American coastline. He wanted it to appear more protected. He didn't want other enemy nations sending groups of saboteurs over. So in his calculation, this actually did work out pretty well, the story that was about to break had to break with, we arrested these guys. We had to come out the winners on this. That's it. We shut this down. Here's this thing that almost happened and we nailed it because we're so good. That's how he had to frame the story. And he did. So he waited. He had to hold on his first press conference, Jagger Hoover, until he could frame it as an FBI victory. And so he waited until the final saboteur, and it was one of the guys from the Florida crew, was arrested. This guy was arrested at 6.45 p.m. on Saturday, June 27th. The press conference was less than two hours later. Hmm... Typical of Hoover, he made no mention of the Coast Guard in apprehending the spies. Yeah, it's all... So it's all downhill from here. There's a trial uh, started on July 6th. It was against all eight saboteurs, both the New York and the Florida crew. Technically, it was a military tribunal, not a trial. And the saboteurs had a pretty good lawyer. It was this guy named Kenneth C. Royal. He worked in the legal affairs office of the War Department, Harvard-educated. And uh you know he he did his damnedest he he went after that he was assigned to defend them. Nobody wants to defend the bad guy, but he he gave them a he gave them good representation, gave them a good defense, but you know they were doomed from the start, and in particular, two of the men, and this includes Berger were American citizens, and that's high treason yeah, that's
1: much worse than the ones who are german citizens we're
0: germans yeah it, it's it's not good to get convicted of high treason john colin was the first witness and he identified dash as the man he spoke to on the Amagansett at beach that was like three weeks ago this all happened really so
1: fast. fast when you have a military tribunal instead of a trial by jury Yeah. It's, the the rules are just so different, which that's
0: a Mm -hmm, whole mm -hmm. other podcast. Yeah. Yes. The kinds of laws that you and I depend on are kind of like... They're kind of gone. Suggestions, maybe, in the military tribunal setting. Yeah. And when we tell, so start paying attention to the dates
1: on when they're arrested. Mm -hmm. So we've already said they've been arrested. Now, Kathleen, they're going, they're having their court cases start on what date?
0: Mm -hmm. um let's see july 6th i believe it was july 6th trial began the trial Mm -hmm. begins it's over so fast like it would make they landed june 13th they got tried july 6th that's three weeks
1: right and then sentencing is august 1st like Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. just
0: unbelievable Mm -hmm. all of them are of course found guilty yes oh well during the trial there was this one funny One funny story is that one of Dash's demands was that his entire statement be read in the courtroom.
1: Oh, my God. His
0: entire 254-page statement. And they're like, how about we do a summary? He's like, no, all of it. The task of reading it out loud was assigned to relay teams of junior lawyers and FBI agents. And even with rapid-fire reading, it took three days.
1: Right. And they're just trying to plow through this case. And it's kind of smart because they're like dash is, must be like i've got to do anything i i need i need to do anything like maybe even the law and also like, he felt so strongly about
0: everything he said right. also you know i'm
1: sure he also thought like by reading this whole thing they'll understand my point of view exactly and they'll see it my way right but nope it doesn't go well no all of them are found guilty
0: yes and you know right in the end Defense lawyer Royal. He makes one last heroic push. He's like, maybe we should have quit. Dash. He told us an awful lot of stuff. It failed. Nope. Nope. And August eighth, the verdict was read, and this is yet another twist. No. Oh right. So for all their efforts, both Dash and Burger, who who did give them a lot of help as well, they got the exact same sentence. Right. As the rest of the guys. All of them were sentenced to be executed by the U.S. government as enemy spies. And this was actually considered a a deterrent to stop future groups of saboteurs. However, the military judges also suggested clemency for Dash and Berger in light of the help they gave the FBI. So instead of execution, Dash got 30 years in prison with hard labor and Berger got life in prison. And When they told them, Berger accepted this very calmly. He had sort of just withdrawn into himself at that point. Yeah dash still couldn't understand why they convicted him at all and they were sent to a federal penitentiary in atlanta and that was february of 1943 but yes Quirin, helped and the four florida saboteurs were executed at a prison in the district of columbia and their bodies were buried in a potter's field wow yeah so The little postscript, uh, Berger and Dash were actually pardoned by Harry S. Truman in April 1948. So they both only did five years. They were both deported to Germany. Now, post-war Germany sucked. That was a horrible place to be. I don't care which side of the wall you were on. Berger actually soon was sort of feeling nostalgic for prison. There were food shortages in Germany. No one had winter clothes. No one had shoes. Entire families were packed in single rooms. His wife, this is so sad, she disappeared into the Soviet concentration camp system. Never found her. So sad. Uh, Dash, uh, for him, he repeatedly filed for a return visa to the U.S. Yeah, that's
1: going to happen. But
0: J. Edgar Hoover made sure that would never happen. Dash just won't catch on. He just doesn't get it.
1: No, it's, and that's that, and that's basically it. They And they live in Germany, but Mm -hmm. they live
0: in Germany as traitors who cause the death of their friends, their comrades. Of, Of six men. Yeah, six other Germans. Berger kept in touch with the FBI. At one point he found a job with Bayer Pharmaceuticals that's in Cologne, Germany. Dash died in 1992. At this point, we don't have any word as to whether or not Berger is currently living. Guys, the lesson to be learned is
1: don't be a spy. Don't be a spy. I know I really say I want to be a spy, but
0: <laughs> I guess I don't. We'll be a spy for the for the good guys. That's what you should do. I guess that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode N. Yeah, thank you. We hope you learned a lot in our extended episode. <laughs> Ridiculous length episode. And we'll see
1: you next time for And we'll see you next time for Letter O. Yes. Talk to you next time,
0: folks. Bye. Bye. For more ABC Gotham, go to our website, www.abcgotham.podbean.com. Special thanks to Podcasting's Brock. Music for ABC Gotham is by Big Rude Jake. ABC Gotham is a K two production, all rights reserved.
1: New York City,
0: I wish you could be here with me on this night of New York City. Four, three, three. Two, two one.
1: one. Wait, do we say welcome back because we're at doing this as... Ladies two. and
0: gentlemen, welcome back to part three.